Welcome to Parenting Matters with Dr. Gloria Morgan on WDKX. I'm letting you know that education is in my DNA. In this session, I am excited about having a conversation with a friend, a sister that I have known for, wow, over 35 years. Um, maybe not constantly in contact with each other, but definitely when we meet or when we talk, it's like, oh, let's catch up over how are things. Uh, I've known her family for a while. And uh, she is a person that I have watched from a distance. And especially as a parent is why I'm talking with Dr. Phyllis Moss on today. There was something that she shared a few days ago on social media that really struck me. And as a parent, I definitely know that what she shares today in terms of her background and what she does as it relates to her children and how that even came about, um, I know you will enjoy. So welcome, Dr. Phyllis. And um, Tell us a little about yourself and how you became the mom of the sons you have today. I actually have four sons. I have three at home. One of my sons is biologically my great nephew. And I decided to become a foster parent. And shortly after that, my great nephew was taken into care. And so I felt like God orchestrated that. And it was funny because I had a conversation with God and I said, you know, I'm not married and, you know, that's pretty much all I've ever wanted and it hasn't happened. So I'm going to give what I've always wanted to someone else. So I decided I was going to adopt one little girl through the foster care system. And shortly okay. after that, my great nephew came into care. So I thought it was going to be a temporary situation um, adopting him, but it turned out to be permanent. And um, so I, I always chuckle because I say, you know, a lot of times we we think we're running things, but <laughs> God is really orchestrating things. So you're um, correct. You are I'm so happy. I'm, it's been a joy. He's been a challenge to raise, but um, it's been a joy. But I felt bad also for... Um, for him because he came to my home from a foster home that had seven children and then it was just me and him so I decided to keep my foster care license and to continue to do foster care so I took in another child it was supposed to be temporary and then he couldn't go, go home right. and um, so I said well I'll take him too and then his little brother came into care and they said well will you take him too I was like okay well I'll take him too oh, so right. that's how I ended up with three sons and it's really been a joy. I've loved it. So you said uh, you have four, but only three are in your home at this particular time. Yes, my okay. oldest I had as a teen. And um, I didn't raise him. Someone else raised him. But I always um, felt that I should kind of give back by adopting a child at, in my adult years. So I kind of kept that promise. Oh, that that is definitely something that has to be a God thing. Most of us as single people, 
with no children, which is where I am now. Mine are in their 30s, uh, late 30s. So I commend you. I, I celebrate you for that. I want you to share with the listeners uh, the incident that happened with one of your sons as it relates to the police officer encounter. Well, my son decided that he was going to go, my middle son, he's 14, decided that he was going to go to his girlfriend's house after school without permission. And it's not the first time that he's done that. He's never done it after school, but it's not the first time that he's gone to her house without permission. Uh, I recently uh, purchased an app for my phone through AT&T called Family Secure. And I'm not advertising it, but anyway. You don't get a commission, right? <laughs> but um, anyway, I, I um, was able to see where he was. I was able to see the exact address. Um, so anyway, I decided to just, you know, see what he was going to do. Now, let me just say that the first time he did it, we had just gotten home from vacation and mm -hmm. he was supposed to be skateboarding around the neighborhood, but instead he skateboarded all the way over from near the airport to the Dewey Avenue area on his skateboard, Whoa. went to this young lady's house and... Um, the thing that bothered me, there were a couple of things that bothered me about it. Um, one of them was that they allowed my son to skateboard all the way back home in the dark with all of the stuff going on in the city. Anything could have happened to me. That told me a lot about them yes. as a parent. Yes. So anyway, this particular day, he, but I didn't have the app at that time. So this particular day, he goes after school. I had the app. I could see the address where he was. So I decided that I would just, you know, wait and see what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. So by 8.30, he still wasn't home. So I called the police. Mm -hmm. um, I had called the police the first time, but um, they asked me if I wanted them to come out. And I said, well, let's just wait. And then his friend told me where he was. So anyway, this time um, I watched him 8.30. He wasn't home and I didn't want him to skateboard home again from the same area. So I called the police. It took like five hours for them to send an officer out. There's so much going on in the city. Wow. So I ended up sending my 21 year old over there to pick him up Okay. Um, about 1030. So about 1.30 in the morning, the police finally came, woke us up. He came in and he talked by that time, my son, of course, my, was home and he was willing to come in and have a conversation with my son. And he said, it was interesting. I had just had my lawn cut. Okay. And it looked really, really nice. And he said, um, when you were, you know, in that neighborhood, he said, did you notice, mm. did you see any manicured lawns over there? My son said, no. Okay. And he asked him a couple more questions, similar questions. And um, he told my son, he said, I go into homes. He said, very seldom do I come into a home that is as nice as your home. He said, I go into home where, homes where there are rats running around wow. in the house. He said, and he said, sometimes I want to burn my clothes when mm. I leave. Mm. And, you know, I had questions, but I just wanted to just be quiet and just listen. So, you know, that really bothered me. 
that our kids are going through or living in that kind of a condition. Yes. And yeah. uh, I just feel like that's a community problem from yeah. holding a, a landlords accountable, accountable mm -hmm. down to the parents. Exactly. So. Exactly. So that officer gave him or painted a picture for him that was totally different um, in terms of the conditions of the home or the area he was in, totally different from his own home with you as his mom. Mm -hmm. What was your son's reaction? I think it's hard to tell with this one because he's kind of quiet. Um, okay. But I've noticed he's been a little bit more respectful since that conversation. Okay. Um, he didn't really say much. He hasn't done that again uh, since then. Right. But I've just noticed that he's been a little bit more respectful towards me. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes, you know, kids, they don't care. They go to school. They make friends. They don't care and think about those kind of things. So exactly. their friends are going to be their friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. I think it was, I, I think it caused them to, I caused him to, um, to think and to appreciate what he has. And I, I reflect upon an incident, my youngest daughter, who is in her mid-30s, um, had an experience in a college class she was in. And uh, this story reminds me of what a professor did. He had everyone to stand up in the class. I can't remember what the class was. Um, I think it was her first year in. And he asked if you ever had your electricity or heat turned off, sit down. If you ever uh, had to get food, uh, your, your parents had to get food from a um, food pantry, um, sit down. If you or anyone in your immediate family, if you were ever homeless, sit down. And there were a few other questions in it some point she was the only one standing mm -hmm. and she said mom I didn't realize you know she's in her late teens I didn't realize how blessed and how um, good our life was um, living with you you know recently divorced and other challenges that's another story for another time but she just she just really realized the word privilege not in the sense of this is what is expected that was the life she saw and that was the life she knew and and it really struck home with her and I think there was a level of appreciation for how she was raised, where she was raised, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think one of the questions is, were, did you ever travel to Disney World? Well, we had family that worked at Disney World. So I think by that time, she had gone two or three times. Mm -hmm. And our cost was not what normal people pay. Uh, so that was a level of privilege with, you know, our roots being in Florida. So I say to my, our listeners, uh, value the relationship you have with your sons and or daughters 
And for those who may be considering foster parenting, and definitely is something that I have thought about, but my life is crazy. And I'm, I'm like, I appreciate those who are foster parents. I'm going to ask you, you know, as you reference God in a in a few of the um, few times during our conversation, talk to us about your journey as a minister before you became a mother or during the time or after you became a mother. I don't know your full story, but I think it would be valuable to others to hear about your journey to becoming Dr. Phyllis and what you've done in terms of ministry related to music. Well, I've been in the church my entire life, but the church hasn't always been in me. I, I was singing in the choir. They, I discovered, well, I come from a very musical family. Okay. Um, I come from a family of, of singers and preachers. Mm. So um, I've always been in and around the church. I started singing in the senior choir when I was 12 years old. And I was very, um, like a lot of us are, I don't know what the word is, but anyway, I would go to church when I was singing a solo. So I guess you would call that a little arrogant. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I don't really want to say this, but I'm going to say it. I was, I've always, and this really bothers me too, especially as I'm on social media. I was so focused mm -hmm. on having a relationship with a man and being married. That was my drive, that, that drove me. And wow. I think particularly because of my first son, because I wasn't able to raise him myself, I was always driven to have a relationship so I could get married, so I could have more children. Mm -hmm. And um, I finally met this guy and I thought he was Prince Charming and he wasn't. And mm -hmm. we were engaged to be married and we broke up and that drove me to my knees. I got saved at home. I accepted um, the Lord Jesus Christ after my grandmother prayed for me on the phone. And then that's when we met shortly after, because I came to the same church where you, exactly. you were, that's oh, where right. we connected. That's right. Um, yes. But the Lord, that was such an, a powerful experience. I had never experienced God on that level before. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I started praying every day and, and reading my Bible and everything. And I began developing my relationship with the Lord and he called me to ministry. So I quit my job, moved to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, you know, again, always thinking that, you know, I would get married and whatnot and that just never happened. So I just kept going to school and just following God. And I've just been on this journey with God and I kind of get a little concerned because I don't want people to think that I'm holier than thou, you know, right. but it's not right. that the good thing about, um, you know, waiting on God and believing God to put this Prince Charming in my life is that I fell in love with God in the process. Yes. And so I am just, you know, I've gotten to know God and I've walked with him. He's worked miracles in my life. He's done phenomenal things for me. And, you know, even my kids, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I 
was, you know, I've, like I said, I've been singing since I was 12 and, um, I got this job. It's funny because my, my former boss just texted me last night. I got this job working mm -hmm. for a national recording artist. Right. And she's one of the best songwriters in the country. And I was traveling all over the country with her and, you know, just unusual things that yes. God, um, blessed me to do. And, um, so I'm on a journey and, mm. it, and like, even now I'm like, okay, God, what's next? Where right. are we going? Right. And I've learned that his plan is always better than mine. Mm -hmm. I always have this plan, but his yes. plan is always better. You know, like, yes. just like having three boys. If God had blessed me with one girl, I am not a girl mom. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew that about me. Yes. He gave me three yes. boys and I love my boys. I'm yes. like, Lord, thank you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank you for that. And I would just like to, for you to share the nonprofit, the organization that you uh developed and created while you were um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, we definitely want to encourage you and encourage others who are adoptive parents or who are foster parents to um, continue on that course. Because as you say, God does have a plan and you'd rather do his thing as a, as opposed to your own thing. When you follow him, it does make a difference. So please tell us about the nonprofit. Well, that was actually a part of my doctoral project. Um, mm -hmm. When you get a, when you work on a doctorate of ministry, which is what my um, doctorate is in, you mm -hmm. identify a problem in the church that you want to solve. So for me, that was at the, at the time that I was working on my doctorate, um, there were a lot of people popping up doing praise and worship, forming praise and worship teams and that kind of thing. And we had very little training. Now we have all kinds of training, but yeah. uh, back in the nineties, there was hardly anything. Okay. So I developed with the help of my doctoral chair, um, a nonprofit called Tehillah Music Ministries. And Tehillah mm -hmm. is a Hebrew word, which means to sing. Okay. Um, so under the umbrella of that, I started teaching workshops in, um, churches in Atlanta, some in Rochester, I've gone to Barbados and taught, um, mm -hmm. Tennessee, um, uh, Florida mm -hmm. and taught workshops. And, um, so when I moved back home to Rochester in 2003, after the death of my dad, um, I brought that ministry with me and, um, Right now, my focus is more on children um, okay. because of my lifestyle. And one of the things that people don't focus on with worship, but there's a reverence side of worship, but there's mm -hmm. also a service side of worship. And for mm -hmm. me, that service side is helping children to learn to read. Um, okay. That is such an important thing for us, especially in our community. Our yeah. children, and I know you probably read this in the paper, but especially after the pandemic, mm -hmm. there are three grade levels behind in math and reading. Exactly. And we have, have to do something it. about that. Yes. Yes, we must. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And for those of you who are definitely interested in learning more, Tehillah is spelled capital T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H 
music.org. You have been listening to Parenting Matters with Dr. Gloria Morgan on WDKX. This is my question for you today. Are there young people, children of school age, who are in your circle that you can make a difference in their lives? <music>